Amen. Aren't you thankful we get to be a part of the mission of God? I mean, we are on a mission for God. Amen. Don't forget that. Thank you for your sacrifice and your commitment to missions. Uh, it's not about uh, money. It's not about projects. It's about people. People around the world who need to know what we know in this room about the love of our Savior. And we're so thankful for this church. As I told the first service, we have fallen in love in such a short time with Calvary Church. Man, if I ever, you better buckle your seatbelts because God's going to do something powerful in this place. I'm telling you, we love your worship team, your pastor. I mean, don't you just love your pastor? I mean, I... so full of passion and enthusiasm and vision, and I'm just thankful for that and thankful that you have given me this opportunity today, Pastor. Thank you to meet, to, to have the privilege to meet the Calvary Church family in Inverness, Florida. If I ever come off the field, I want to live right down the road and go to this church. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I, I, pray, I pray you come with great expectation and anticipation that God's going to speak to your heart these next few moments this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 16, verses 46 through 48. I grew up in a little, uh, not a a big farm, but a small uh, farm, and I was that kid that ran to the back of the room. And I hid under the bed when people came to the house to drop off their food and cakes and things they do. And and I, I was very shy, very timid, afraid to talk to people, and I was the least likely person that you would ever see behind a pulpit this morning. And, uh, and then when God began to stir my heart and call me to go to Southeastern and Lakeland, be, be in the ministry, I began to ask myself this question, can one person really make a difference? Can one person, so many broken people, so many people that are lost, 2.9 billion people still waiting to hear the gospel for the very first time. Can one person really make a difference? Look in this scripture, number 16, verses 46 to 48. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it. Take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. And then Aaron took it as Moses commanded. And he ran and to the midst of the assembly, already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense, made atonement for the people, and he stood. Let this sink into your heart this morning. He stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word that transforms us, that changes us that guides us and leads us, Lord. And we just, we pray you'd open up our ears this morning. We surrender ourselves to you. We pray, God, you would, that Inverness would never be the same after this day. And our families will never be the same, our communities. God, do something in us, change us, mold us, and speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. amen. In this passage of Scripture, there's a wave of death going over people. Thousands of people are dying. And Moses turns to, turns to Aaron says, Aaron, get a censer. Get to the altar and get some fire. And go and stand. And it says he ran. And where he stood, 
The death stopped and the life began. The death was stopped and the life began. And I believe that's a picture of what God has called the church to be today. That's what God has called every believer to be today. To be his voice of hope, bringing life to this side and stopping the wave of death. And to stand between the dead and the living. God has recruited us and enlisted us into his mission. His last command was you go into all the world and you preach this gospel and you tell this gospel to all the, all the nations. Yeah. It's his last command and it should be our first priority. Yeah, right. Our first priority to take this gospel to those people who are waiting to hear, not only around the world but in our community. God wants to use every single person to, to be used by him to fulfill his great commission. I tell people the gospel ship is not a cruise ship. The gospel ship is a battleship. Paul didn't paint a picture of tiptoeing through the tulips or sitting by the pool drinking pina coladas. He painted a picture of battle, of war. And we're in a war for souls, a war for your children and your grandchildren. And God help us to understand that today more than ever before, that we have a vital role to play to fulfill the great commission of God. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. The people of God, the church of Calvary Church is God's plan A for this community. And God wants to use every single young person, mom and dad and grandparent to change this community and this world. The first thing Aaron did was he went to that altar and he got some fire. What does the fire represent for us today? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God has called us to be people of His presence. People of His presence. Because unless we're people of His presence, we can't be what God's called us to be. We can't do what God's called us to do. We're ineffective. We can't accomplish the mission of God. We must first be people that daily surrender, sacrifice, and commit ourselves to be people that make that daily trip to the altar. Yes. And it's then the presence of God makes all the difference in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your community. It makes all the difference, the presence of God. I've learned that so many times. My words fall flat to, in front of me unless I'm a person filled with his presence. We must be people of his presence. God has given us the ability the privilege through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform people's lives. Through our love and our generosity and and our ability to be his light, we have the privilege and the opportunity to transform people's lives. We have that privilege today. I'll tell you a quick story about Namal. He's a mechanic. One of the things we do is we have to learn the language. Because if we want to be effective in going out into the villages and, and, and sharing the gospel and building relationships, we have to know the language. So I have this tutor, and I go to this tutor to learn the language. And in this uh, area where she lives, it's a total a Buddhist village. No Christians are there. No churches are there. But I noticed Namal was outside working on the tuk-tuks that we get around there on. And he's always 
working. So I made a deal with them all. I said to them all, I want to learn your language. You want to learn my language. Let's practice with one another. So I'd stop outside every time I was going into the tutoring class, and I would have a short conversation with him. He didn't know much English, and I didn't know, I didn't know much of his language, so it was a very short conversation. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing all right? How's your family? Good? Okay, see ya. <laughs> but I'd always end the conversation with this. Mage Yasus Arare. Yage Yasus Arare. Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves you. And this was going on for three years. We were there for four years, our first term. We always go to Thailand to get medical checkups because we don't have good medical care. And so we flew to Thailand, we'd come back, and the tutor met me at the door. She says, listen, Namal, the mechanic out there, wants to talk to you more about this Jesus that you've been telling him about. I said, oh, goodness, this has been three years. We haven't seen anybody come to the Lord. You can imagine how excited I was. I'm like, yes. So I got the interrupter or the interpreter or whatever you want to call them, and I got out there, (laughs) and I got out there, and I began to talk to them all, and he gave his heart to the Lord, and then I realized there's no church he can go to. I was the only church. I realized there's no small group he can go to. I was the only believer that he knew. (laughs) And so I began to understand that I had to disciple him, teach him about the power of prayer and and studying the Word, because we do have the Bible in Sri Lanka. We just don't have it in those 205 islands. So I began to slip him the Word. I wasn't the drug dealer. I was the Word dealer. (laughs) I was dealing the Word to him every single time. And and so uh, I'll tell you this story about Namal, because it's a very hard story. Lonely road. He couldn't even tell his wife. Can't tell the community that he's become a Christian. It's a very difficult time for him. But I want you to write him in your Bible and pray for them all. Pray that God would use him. Because I believe God can take one person. (laughs) And he can transform a village. Don't you believe that? He can transform a community. He can transform a family. He can do it through you. Because one person can make a difference. But first we have to be people of his presence people of his presence. I tell my kids all the time, they're like, Dad, what are you trying to say? I said, well, it's like a pizza man showing up with a pizza without a box. And the cheese is oozing down his arm and all over his clothes. And the first thing you say is, hey, buddy, where is the box? Because the, the, the box doesn't bring value to the pizza. The pizza brings value to the box. The box is just like a 16 cent worth box. It's not worth very much. But it, it gains and increases in value when you put the pizza inside the box. Oh, when you become a person of his presence, it changes everything. And God begin to use your words and use your actions. He'll do above and beyond what you could ever imagine or think when we're people of his presence first. That's the first thing we must, we must do. God's looking for somebody. Say, God, I'm a yielded vessel. He's got an endless supply. He's just looking for a yielded vessel, amen, that he can use. We had this, we don't get teams come very often, very rarely because it's two days to get there. It costs a lot of money. And so, but we had talked this college team into coming. And they were were coming and they were going to paint a children's uh, ward at at one of our villages. 
because we can't do like outward evangelism and vacation Bible school and preaching on the street. We can't do those type things, but we just go to villages and where Jesus would skin on and just love the people, build relationships. So the week that this team was coming, there was a landslide in one of our villages. It killed hundreds of people. And when a tragedy happens, people go to the Buddhist temples because there's a Buddhist temple on every corner. And people go to the Buddhist temple and they they give them shelter and basic needs. And so this had happened the week the team was coming, and the Buddhist monk calls me. He says, listen, we've heard you're bringing that American college team over, and we want to know, can you bring them to our temple to play with our kids? The kids have lost their brothers and sisters. They've lost their parents. Parents have lost their kids. Spouses have lost their spouse, and they have very little left, and they're, they're broken people, very broken. Can you bring that American team, bring some of that American candy, American games, and bring them into this temple and play games with our kids? <laughs> yes, we'll do that. <laughs> Only God could create an opportunity like this. <laughs> and so we took the team all day. They played games. These people smiled for the very first time in, in days, and, and uh, the kids had a great time playing games. At the end of the day, the Buddhist monk comes to me, and he says, listen, I want to know, can you do one more thing for me? I want to know, can you go into the main uh, big room together, and you share one more speech of encouragement to all the people together? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I get in this big room. It's a big, big stage, about three times this size. The room's about ten times, just four times as big. And I'm standing at the edge of the stage. And they had invited all the head regional monks to come. And they were sitting across the stage to hear what the American guy was going to say <laughs> to the people. <laughs> And I'm, I'm praying. You ever had a prayer under your breath? <laughs> I'm praying under my breath. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> That's about the best one I could come up with. <laughs> Lord, help me know what to say. Because if I say the wrong thing, I got the next flight out of the country. But I knew this was an opportunity that only God had, God had created this, this day. And I'm standing there, and I look out among those people. They were all on a carpet. Small carpet with everything they had, the family members and material things they had left. They were sitting out there, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, these people will live and die, and the majority of them will never meet a Christian. And I step up to this podium, and there was a little book that was sitting there, and I picked up the book. I said, there's a special, special book that was given to us by our God. And I want to share with you today two promises that were written in it for you today. We've had a great time playing with your kids today, and we've had an incredible day, but this is two promises more important than anything else today I want you to hear. The first promise is this, that our God loves you with an unconditional, it's an unchanging love. 
He loves you. No matter what you've done or you've been, our God loves you. You don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. And then I said the second promise is this. He says he's very close to the brokenhearted. And as I looked out across that room, I began to see tears come down their cheeks. And the presence of God came into that Buddhist temple and began to minister to their hearts. And I want you to know, Inverness, Calvary Church, we couldn't stand in the midst of a Buddhist temple unless there's a people at Calvary Church in Florida, Inverness, Florida, that believed deep down in their hearts that every person should have at least one opportunity to know about the love of our Savior. So thank you for your commitment and your sacrifice. What I'm saying to you today is this. God's looking for somebody who will say, Lord, fill me with your presence. I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you. The second thing Aaron did is it says that he ran. He ran. He ran with urgency. Allow that to sink into your heart this morning. The word of God says the day is far spent. Night is at hand when no man can work. The opportunity will be all over. The chance will be over. There will be no more sermons to preach. No more classes to teach. No more small groups to gather at. Every person you know is one heartbeat away from eternity. One heartbeat away from eternity. Don't allow the enemy to rock you to sleep so you're not remembering and, and you for, lest you forget that people are dying every single day and they need a Savior. And Jesus has made a way. He says, I came for one purpose and one reason alone. That's to seek and to save that which is lost. He'll lead the 99. He'll go get the one. And I'm so thankful that he got me, aren't you? I'm so thankful that he rescued me. And, Lord, we have a mission to do. We have a mission to accomplish. God is calling us today. He's calling us today that you have a specific role to play, every single person, to stand between the dead and the living. Would you stand with me this morning? Romans 10 has the greatest promise ever given to man. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> oh, what a promise we can stand on today. Oh, I'm so thankful, aren't you? Whosoever shall call, let us not become weary. And doing good, but at the proper time, we shall reap a harvest <laughs> if we don't give up. Don't give up, Mama, praying for your kids, your grandkids, your marriage, your family members, your community. Oh, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's not time to, to, to slack up. It's time to press. <laughs> press. It's time to Roll up our sleeves. Remember, we're in a war for the souls. 
of those around us. We must run. Run. Run with urgency. Run. Run, mom and dad. Run into your communities. Run. Can you lift your hands and surrender? Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for these precious people that I've gathered here in this room. Oh, God, I pray you would meet every need they might have this morning. God, that you renew our passion, renew our vision to be people that go to the altar every day, that we live as people of your presence, that we are carriers of your presence. And, oh, God, that we run while we still have the opportunity. Help us to run, Lord. Help us to run. We surrender ourselves to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.